Welcome to Date Night. I'm Will, your friendly neighborhood game mom, a.k.a. your GM. And I'm Amy, and I play Kira. I'm married to Will. And I'm Will's nephew. I'm Sam, and I play the Grease Wizard. I'm Eva. I'm married to Sam, and I play Arin, the half-work barbarian. I'm Mike. I'm the fifth wheel, and I play Darren Hammerstone. And we play Dungeons and Dragons. Can we play D and D? Yeah. So last time, you won the uh, Takashi's game by a huge margin. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Did we get any gold for that? Like no, you got you win? got audience with Count Takashi, who made you a an offer for one thing of your heart's desire or knowledge, uh, any of his knowledge that he had available, basically. Mm. And begrudgingly, the Grease Wizard chose knowledge along with everyone else. You had a discussion that mostly was kind of general so far about the cosmology of the world and how there's a very important decision that's coming up again that only comes up once in age or every 10,000 years or so where people from the uh, material planes get to make a choice about whether they're going to live in a willful cosmology where the only connection to the gods is through each individual's will or a serene cosmology which allows the gods and sort of the the dark side of that as well uh, free access into the world to determine things for themselves. So um, he says that that choice is coming up, and that choice can only be made by people who are of the material plane, and it seems like uh, you've actually been putting yourself into a position uh, to be the ones to potentially make that choice. Part of the problem is there's somebody here in the south of Lamoche that's been making a big problem, this is somebody Takashi said um, uh, has been sort of breaking the balance of this choice of, of beings from the material plane. And part of what you came here to talk about was um, how you would maybe be able to prevail over that. We, we haven't really got there. So far, again, Takashi's mostly sp- just told you what's gone on, how the cosmologies work, that these decisions have been made before and they will be made again, and that it's the winners who get to choose, just like you you won the competition and you got to choose between knowledge and, you know, treasure. And he sort of looks over, actually, at Kira, and he says, you were pretty impressive in the Arcanagon with your bow, but you've come here and asked for knowledge and spoken little, if at all, what knowledge were you looking for? I first left my home to find word of my mother. And now that I am here, I am finding more and more that she seems to be the one at the center of all that is going on in this area. Who, who is your mother? Nivara Silverleaf. Thorn. Leaf. Something. Silverleaf. <laughs> silverleaf. Yeah. Silver Sorry. That's your final answer. <laughs> you're, you're Silver You guys thorn, are close, right? So. Yes. Because okay. your father's name was... Thorn. Yes. And you took both names. So, okay. And he kind of looks off and he says, Navara. Navara at the, the center of this? I, I haven't heard Navara's name in centuries, but yes, you, you favor her now that you mention it. Yeah, she gets around. 
(laughs) (laughs) I see. It was 300 years ago that your mother, uh, Navara, came to Lamoche and liberated the stone from the third temple with a force from the fey lands that claimed the stone as their own. Liberated? She claimed that the stone was hers and of her people, which she technically wasn't wrong. It was created by elves. But after that, she and her people fled across the sea toward Kufo. And it's funny... You bring her up that the stone hasn't been on the island since then until fairly recently, the past few years. And before, when you mentioned that this stone was the cause of the corruption in the South, the stone itself is not corrupted. It's in the South, but it's whole. It's not been corrupted by cultists like the others. Huh. So is my mother to blame for much of this? I don't know. I think somehow maybe the stone's properties are strengthening the blight, but not through death or corruption like the other stones. See, this was the this was a stone of of life. And this is sort of the nature of what's going on in the south. This This being, whoever it is, the one tied to the will of chaos or entropy, should be destroying everything around her. But the proximity of the stone seems to stop things from decaying. It has created a Gallwood Grove, miles and miles and miles in circumference. And the trees are growing tumorous and getting growths and things are breeding inside of them. Mm. I think it's the stone's nature that's stopping things from breaking down. It can stop a body from aging and usually keep it from illness. But this illness in the south, this isn't an illness of wasting away like the blight in the north. This is one of excess, one that comes from unchecked growth instead of decay. It's Ironic, maybe, if the blight might have been, if it might have had a similar effect to the others, but its nature is opposite, in conflict to the blight sown by Auntie Marlene and the cult of the Black Hand that you have faced, that learned their magic from Auntie Marlene. Auntie must have known of the fiend, or of the stone's return, She was preparing something. Her blight began before the corruptions of the first and second stone by the cultists. I watched her closely through these orbs, and he motions to the sort of semi-invisible orbs that are floating in the room that he says he watched the games through. I think she was making a barrier of undeath, sort of a firebreak to shield against the encroachment from the south, using the cultists, encouraging them to kill more land so that she could expand her reach and cultivate her army in the dead earth that she used to build her constructs and for whatever dark power she was digging for before she died. But to her, those cultists were nothing more than useful idiots. 
They didn't know that they were acting against the very power in the South that they claimed to worship. The cult's blight resembled Auntie Marlene's. It was a blight of shadow, and hers was sort of penned in by the pureness of Kama Creek, spreading only slowly toward the West because of it until they polluted it. The other stone's corruption made a blight of undeath that even seemed to surprise Auntie. She battled away a few of its creations with her own. I don't think she foresaw that the cult would use her instructions on the stone in the first land's temple, only the one she directed them to in the temple of the second land. So it makes sense at first, maybe, to think that the southern blight must have come from a third corrupted stone. It would fit the pattern if the blight were one of undeath or shadow. But in fact, if the stone were corrupted, the whole nasty enterprise in the south would have likely fallen in on itself long ago. See, entropy doesn't tend to support itself for long. Instead, this fiendish entity fills the void of the cult of the Black Hand's teachings, that chaos breeds life, a philosophy they developed in the aftermath of the Great War that nearly decimated this land 40 years ago. But that cult never had any connection, no real connection, to the fiend in the South. She was too terrible even for them to approach. They hoped to act in ways to earn themselves favor and speed the rebirth of the land and bestow what they feel is the gift of chaos and anarchy on Lamoche and all of Volyanaya. But is that fiend your mother, like you suggest? That I don't know. Despite my appearance of omniscience, what I see is limited to this island, and the last time I knew she was here was 300 years ago. Secondly, I can feel the presence of the stone to the south, but my spies, though translucent, have only managed to traverse a short distance past the outskirts of this ever-expanding blight in the Gallwood Grove. While I have seen the results the huge tumorous trees given birth to walking blighted plant men and cursed gigantic insects from their galls. I have not been able to reach the center to see the black hole that swirls at the center of this devastation. I see the bond as I see it stretching, or I did see it stretching from the gnome, and I still see it stretching from the half-orc and the modron back to the bridge planes to the outer ones. In the south, it stretches through the Feywild, across the void, and into the Inferno, a thick, twisted cord that is hard to describe, but it is like nothingness, even greater than the seeming emptiness surrounding it in the void. Is it your mother tethered to this bond? I pray not, but I know not. So what is the intent of the person in the South, the fiend? This fiend would have the world fall under its entropy, this unchecked growth, this unchecked and terrible freedom. And it would make the choice, if it were allowed, the choice that you would like to make. For it's been brought here in the same way as you were, and looks at the grease wizard and over at Arn, and when it is time, perhaps it will cut the cord so it can make that choice. For so, now, it's using that fiendish will to drive it. 
So what are we supposed to do about that? I have a hammer. You'll if you could stop her. <laughs> you sure do. That would be the first part of your journey. You see the the balance here includes that there are two more. One that has come through the lawful plane of Mechanus and one that has come through the Shadowfell. But if you were to kill this one, it seems they have not aligned as of yet. So far as I can tell, there's no way over land that you can make it there. And the seas have been compromised as well. So we'll just stay here, I guess. I think... Is Kalman one of the other entities? No, Kalman's will is connected through Mechanus, but to Paradise, not the Inferno. There's an entity who has traversed that path through Mechanus from the darkness as well. That Kalman is the balance, too. So it's like dark Kalman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bizarro Kalman. <laughs> he only puts fish in oblique. More bizarre than me. <laughs> he, faces the, he faces the fish north and south instead of east and west. Crazy. The humanity. <laughs> well. Um, the fish, the fish man. <laughs> Fish manity. Um, Manatee? (laughs) (laughs) You probably can't get there over land or over the sea either, but perhaps through what's left of the Underdark on this island. All right, I could speak under common, so let's go. Right? I Just think like we still are supposed to be asking other questions. All right. How do we defeat this fiend in the south? I think the only way you'll be able to weaken the fiend is to remove the stone from within its proximity. And then sort of the fiend and all of the things around it will spiral into that entropy. Perhaps that will force its hand and make it attack but it should also make it grow weaker each day instead of stronger the way it does now. Hmm. Hmm. This fiend, I can see in the south, behind it, it has left a trail of complete and utter destruction. It has left nothing. It has burned what it didn't need, or it has grown its Gallwood Grove. There is no force down there that it is afraid of, In that way, at least, it is not guarding its back so much. If you were able to go underneath through the Underdark, it might give you a path toward this creature that would be easier than the path from north to south. Great. All right. You know, well, I feel like I had another question, but I forgot what it was. I got a question for you. Can I ask it real quick? Yes. Um. All right, listen. I got on my notes over here, and I pull out my case full of notes. Okay. I was like, listen, the only thing I remember is a beaver pelt, and I got that written down from episode one. I don't know what that means. Can you help me explain that? Mm, I could have before we cut the 
record. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess this is just. I guess he wouldn't have known that's where it came from, though. He just would have had a. <laughs> a beaver pelt is mm. the skin of a beaver. Right. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. Beaver misspelled pelt? <laughs> <laughs> question mark, exclamation point, question mark. Oh, you, do mark. you mean a bever pelt? <laughs> that I could tell you much about. <laughs> All right, well, whatever, whatever. It's fine. Sam, are you blushing? Yes, I am. I'm a very bad speller, all right? I'm sorry, I love you. No, that's you. the grease wizard. That's not you. No, that's me. <laughs> if you do go through the Underdark, you'll need more than somebody who speaks the language of undercommon. We need bizarro common. <laughs> the society in the Underdark doesn't exist in the way that it used to. It's broken down. There is no great extent of undercommon there. It's largely creatures and the sentient beings that live there are largely spore folk. Um, I hate that. If you're going to... There must be another way. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps. Um, But you will need somebody that can treat with them that would prove useful. Um, At the very least... Spore folk. the, the mushroom Not people. <laughs> <laughs> or at the very least, a drow that s- many of them have, have moved to the overworld. And they were displaced <laughs> from down below, but many of them still know the paths that exist in the Underdark where so many can be hopelessly lost. Oh, I have to go talk to the Amanita again, aren't I? They are going to be our guides. I can just see it. I've met them. I'd like to meet them. I know right? you would, lad. I bet he would fit in just just fine. Hi. It'll only be 40 episodes between then and now, or whenever this comes out. All right. Hey, listen. One more thing before we go. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Um, how do we win this, uh, this here legal battle that we've done gotten ourselves into? The trial. Right. That will be in the morning. Or how do we, like, get out of here or something? Can I go through the Underdark now? Just go ahead and get out of there? Or Well, we're on top of a turtle now. Right. There's no tunnel through the turtle into the Underdark. Well, We've, oh. That tunnel is closed right now. <laughs> 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 no, there's no, there's no Under-Turtle to speak of. Well, All right. No. <laughs> Anywhere you can get us off this turtle. Though I thought turtle. about that quest line. <laughs> this isn't on the ocarina of time. We don't go inside no turtles, right? Right. I don't want... That's no. the I've worst. I've got my red ocarina in my bag here, and I pull it out. TM, TM, Why TM, am I doing this accent? Um, all right, listen. You can get us off this turtle, right? So we don't have to do that trial? I can drop all uh-huh. of the charges related to um, myself and the games, including the charges of impersonating an eel expert. Hey! Ow. But most of the charges against you are levied for what has been done in the areas controlled by the Turtleborn and our tenuous relationship between myself and King Leo does not allow me to interfere in those affairs. I would suggest a good lawyer, good legal counsel. The Turtleborn are very strict in the enforcement of their laws, particularly 
against people who were here for the games. They don't like my games. Mm. (laughs) 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 All right, and what happens if we just, like, like dip out of here? Can I please... (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. We, We need... She can't even say it. <laughs> we need a good lawyer. Maybe someone like, I don't know, <laughs> Cranial L. <Al> Dantel. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Randall L. Dandel and Associates. <laughs> if any of our, uh, Lynch, our listeners that... are outside of Lynchburg, we apologize. <laughs> and if they try to look it up, they'll never get it because yeah. it's the fantasized version I'm of the word. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have to leave. <laughs> Unfortunately, you will have to find your legal counsel in a very limited amount of time from fairly limited prospects because I understand your trial is in the morning and the second you leave these gates you'll be taken into custody which makes, would make it difficult to find don't a, we have a right counsel. to an attorney or something not here oh man I really feel like I had another question alright well any other words of wisdom before we leave? Did we actually go through the the, the role playing part of her getting her cord to the? No, I I, I couldn't make a decision. N- okay. Has not cut the cord. I know we we t- talked about it in the uh, the players not the players perspective but the the premium level up the thing. premium content which you should all subscribe to. I think um, I think we did it before that. N- yeah, before that. I think n- narratively, I'm again. I already said this. Narratively, I think it makes sense like to make the game work but in character it doesn't seem like what Arn would do especially like on such short notice uh so okay we'll worry about that later okay but in order to get those other things don't you need mm-hmm. to no I can make it work <laughs> <laughs> alright we can figure it out one way or another alright okay um do you have any further questions? Any other words of wisdom? Um, for us? What are we not asking? Yes. <laughs> One of us can only tell the truth. The other can only tell a lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for one, I'm glad you accepted your path to come here and speak to me. Uh, in some ways... That was guided by my friends, and he shows those orbs floating around again. I've watched you since you've come to this island, Dern and Kira, and I I put the stone in your path, the invitation to the games. So just remember sometimes that the things we call fate are just choices made by somebody else that we choose to accept. All right, all right. And I would like to show you something, and you would be all free right, to... put s- your pants back on. <laughs> oh. No, that's Stop. if you show us He's got on a robe. 
<laughs> Retie sorry, I put the my robe. legs together. <laughs> um, <Take> this. <laughs> I would show you something before the night is over. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Disney's too litigious for me to say that he could show you the world, I guess. All right, so um, you could stay here the night when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> it's all colored now. Never mind. Takashi. It's all falling apart. <laughs> Let's start over. I'm Count Takashi. All right. Well, giant reset button in the last episode now. Um, and he waves his hand, and this infinite expanding whiteness that has been around you the whole time, sort of getting further and further away vanishes for sort of the top half of this sphere. And then there's nothing between you and the dazzling night sky, a night that seems to be coalescing around you as the white floor or lack of floor extends further and further away. It's like you're standing among the stars themselves. And the stars, Takashi says, haven't always been fixed in the sky this way. Remember, we had a conversation when you were in the temple of the first land when you were looking at the stars, that the stars in this world in Volyanaya don't move. Only the planets and the moons uh, move in the night sky. And he says, There was a time where they shot across the heavens and came and went as they pleased. And the stars start whirling around you, forming into actually slightly different constellations that drift across the night sky. And Dern, you get a flash of the ceiling of the First Land's temple where you were, the stars that you noticed that were not your own stars that were painted there. And you recognize that these match the star pattern that was in the ceiling in the temple. He must have an amazing memory. Doesn't he have a dot chart? He does have a dot chart, I think. Um... And Takashi sort of looks at the way you're looking at the stars, and he said, "Have you seen these stars before?" I, I, I think so. Hang on a second. Pulls out the dot chart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the dot chart doesn't match the stars in these constellations. They no, match, maybe not. They match the stars in the fixed sky. That's an actual sky chart of the the current sky. And he minds rolling it back up and putting it away. (laughs) I'm being very committed to the character in the moment. Okay, it's an audio medium. I know. Okay. (laughs) Who's your shiny armoring or hammer? I was miming it earlier. Everyone was looking (laughs) down at the character sheets. Where is your hammer that I bought you at Christmas time-ish? It it doesn't fit in the bag. It's hard to carry up all that stuff. It went back to... It's uh, in the van. Is he still Scottish? (laughs) Aye. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. Sorry. Okay. Uh, these stars haven't been this way in 10,000 years or more. Not since the first land. Not since Serenity. See, that's the story of the temples that I built, that that we built. Elves before the schism of land and sea. Historians and the devout claim many origins and meanings, but the temples are not depictions of foreign lands that we immigrated from or other worlds, as the high-haired thinkers claim. Some claim 
The First Land's temple represents a ship with its silver cord stretching from the golden planet and its ceiling to the life mother. Or the Second Land's temple's arches represent some kind of interdimensional gateway. But it's not so. Not a physical gateway, at least. But a gateway of choice. Are you sure? Because that guy seemed really sure about it. He always thinks it's aliens. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the guy I was talking about, but okay. (laughs) What guy? The guy in the temple at the top of the mountain who is like, this is a different world. Yeah. That's what they think. Okay. Well, that's what this guy thinks. How do we know he's right? You don't. Okay. Insight check. (laughs) (laughs) You could roll one. I mean, nature of the universe. (laughs) He seems very confident in himself. So did the other guy. He says, that's the gate that's open again. If you choose will, the stars remain fixed. We live our lives with the time of the gods almost frozen in age here in a span of the blink of their eyes. If you choose serenity, we return to a place where the stars come and go as they please, both bright and dark stars. The so, temple- wait, which are we right now? Hmm? Which we're, which we'll, one is willful. this plan right now? We're in we're in a willful, willful state right state. now. Do we like that? Do we want that? <laughs> this okay. Would be the choice. I think we got some time to think about that. Maybe couple, that you'll have to make a couple years. Episodes. Maybe when. Um, this is the choice you have cut your cord to make. He looks at the grease wizard. Um. The Temple of the First Land represents the last age, or some last age, one of serenity, where gods and stars came and went as they pleased, a time that began and ended when the planets aligned, and around you the largest of the stars in the sky changed color, and can anybody roll a nature check? Anybody who wants to? Natural one. (laughs) 19 plus 5. What are those shiny They're things up there? They're Those things I remembered earlier, I forgot them. <laughs> um, 19 plus 5. 22. 17. All right, Kira and Grease Wizard, over, over 20. All of these are the planets in the sky. These are not the stars in the sky. These are the bodies that move throughout the night sky. And you see them change color to quartz, emerald, brass, onyx, jade, and copper like the ones in the ceiling of the First Land's temple that represented the different planets. All except the largest in that temple, the gold one that had the silver cord tying it to the shrine. But the floor below you materializes, and it's like you're floating about a 100 feet outside of a sphere, and that sphere now glows gold, with silver strands stretching between yourselves and the ground. And Dern, as the planets move and three begin to align, the quartz, emerald, and brass ones, you are struck by a similarity to a vision that you had, I think in episode four, (laughs) where you were in the proving grounds, your temple below the mountains of Kufo, and six orbs floated into the room. Three, the white, green, and brass-colored ones, matching these three planets that are about to align, weighed down one side of the scales, those scales that were inlaid in the floor. Even so, it tilted them, skewing them to one side, while the black, jade, and copper orbs evened them out. 
and those match the colors of the other three planets, coming into alignment, but still much more distant, much more slowly. The silver cords of Kalman, Arin, and the Grease Wizard split, one end tying them to the golden sphere below, and the other tying them to the brass, emerald, and quartz orbs, respectively, until you watch the Grease Wizard's cord sever from the quartz orb. And then you remember the second part of your vision, the part where you saw the leader of your order step onto the side of the scales with the black, jade, and copper orbs, tilting them toward that side, unbalancing Atalanta's order, and you stepped onto the opposing side to even them out. You feel Takashi's intent and interest enter the vision that you're having. It's so strong that you are almost projecting it around yourself, and everyone else standing there can see flickers of it on top of the golden orb. Dern, it gives you the feeling, one you found uncomfortable when you were speaking to Squiddles with your mind, of somebody prying into your thoughts. And below you now, solid ground below all of you, a polished floor with scales inlaid into it. And Dern is standing on one side with Kalman, Arin, and the Grease Wizard, balanced with orbs of black jade and copper on the other side, until an unseen force dips them away. The depiction of the scales vanishes beneath thick, choking vines, and Kira stands in the middle of those vines, in the middle of the scales. And Kira, you remember your vision, the one you had that same night, the one that led you beneath the boughs of the raven tree, one where you tried in vain to follow your mother until you gave up to be pulled beneath the undergrowth, waiting there, resigned to wait there, until a strong hand reached down to pull you out. And everybody can feel the connection between the visions and see them happening and know their meanings. For the first time, maybe seeing into somebody else's mind, a unique experience. And Dern, you feel the connection of Kira's vision, the way everyone sees these visions manifest around you in this phantom planetarium-like room. And you reach out instinctually and pull her up out of the underbrush, which vanishes, and the scales tip ever so slightly in your favor. Across from you in the black sky that still surrounds you, a clearing forms, one of lush greenery, like none you have seen outside of your vision, Kira, one of so much life. And there, as in your vision, your mother is walking slowly toward you. And just like that, all of the visions fade, and the room is just like it was when Takashi first waved his hand. The ceiling vanished. Now it's just whiteness expanding on forever below and the blackness of the night sky forever above. And the stars are fixed again. They are your stars again. Hmm. You look, um, anybody who rolled, that would be Grease Wizard and Kira high on the nature check, you notice the planets, the the only bodies other than the moon and Steve that that move in the night sky, (laughs) stand out in a way that they never had before. And you can see that three, the ones that lie between Volyanaya and the sun, their usual in their usual orbits, are nearly aligned, while the other three, 
the ones which orbits take them further from the light are still quite a ways apart. Takashi breaks the silence and says, This view that you have right now, this is the view from the Temple of the Third Lands, you see. The first temple represents the old land of serenity from the last age. The second, the gate of choice that always stands between the lands of will and the serene. The third represents the land we are in now, a land of will. Its glass allows its monks to watch forever in unchanging sky. Unchanging, that is, apart from the moons and the planets. Planets that only align when the choice is to be made. A choice that has been made more than once, again and again, oscillating regularly or irregularly between will and serenity, between choice and predestination. The choice that will remake the world. Your choice, if you can win it. How do we win it? You must defeat the others who would make that choice in your place. And that starts with the one here in the south of our island. Stay here tonight. I don't really think we have a choice, but thanks. <laughs> where you Stay where you can see these stars, these planets. Tomorrow, admittedly, you will have maybe more short-sighted worries to attend to. But tonight there is much to consider and hopefully rest to be had. And Takashi disappears. Oh. And you're left on top of this ever-expanding floor below you that gives you the sensation of floating and the sky um, above you like you're on the highest, basically as bright as the stars were when you were on the Third Lands Temple. Atop that that mountain. So, are we supposed to like sleep here? Because I've grown accustomed to a certain level of comfort, and this is not it. Well, if he can change this place, so can I. And I close my eyes and I think, <laughs> bed, beds. Do uh, beds appear? All right, roll a um, bed check. Arcana. <laughs> yeah, just an intelligence check. That's a twenty. Okay, as you form this vision in your mind of of these beds, you get sort of the same way that there was a flicker of these visions of growth and of, uh, you know, this proving grounds from Dern's vision. You have a vision of this extremely comfortable bed shift into view in kind of the middle of this expanding room. Is it there? It, it, it looks like it's there. I go jump on it. Okay. You jump and you float through the image. Okay. Of, of well, I think we could have seen that coming. <laughs> but you don't crash into the ground or anything. You just continue sort of floating. Okay. Like like in Willy Wonka? Yeah. You've got to burp to get out of here. <laughs> 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 well, all right. Well, I've got some studying to do, so... See you guys tomorrow. Okay. Go. Do you ever sleep? Well, I need eight hours, but other than that, how many hours can I get? It's probably nine or ten o'clock in the evening. Mm -hmm. So you could maybe get a couple, one or two hours in on your study if that's what you'd like to do. I'll take the two. Okay. Um, Roll in the arcana check. 
Am I back at max health? You will be after the rest. Okay. 15 plus 8. Okay. Um, while you're looking through the book for a couple of hours, um, you get a little bit more information about some of the potential outcomes for these uh, homunculi and some of the things that have been created in the past. And you get that there are some homunculi whose connection to their master is so strong that so long as they're on the same plane of existence with them, they can share their thoughts telepathically. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. And I need you to roll a D4. Come on, one. Darn it, four. All right, so you're at minus four max health if you're feeding Clippy like you have been each night. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Clippy soaks up the blood, looking a little ruddy inside there now. It was getting to be a good ratio of blood to gack. <laughs> That's so important. And uh, In my studies, do I... So, if I spit in it instead, mm-hmm. would that... Probably you'd, be. you'd have the idea that there are different the different humors involved with creating it, but right now you know you're not yet into the full creation process. Mm-hmm. You're sort of in an incubation process, so just where you're blood. just keeping it alive, and any humor will do. Okay. Yeah, I'll keep using blood then. Okay, weirdo. <laughs> All right. Well, he's doing that, and Calman is trying <laughs> not to look with his one big eye. T- tell me a story. <laughs> Please, someone tell me a story. No, really. Once upon a time, there was a, there were three little, wh- what are you again? I'm a Modron. There were three little Modrons. I'm a Modron. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there was a, there was a mommy Modron and a daddy Modron. And What's a, a mommy Modron? Well, that's the thing. Aww. That's, that's where it gets confusing because they don't really have mommies and daddies. But just for the sake of the story, this one did. And then, you know what? Forget it. I think he's done now. That was great. <laughs> about to squeeze a little more out of here. Oh. And they all lived happily ever after. That's the best way to end a story. Okay. <laughs> all right, so. The Grease Wizard is feeding Clippy. Our Does he at least have some kind of modesty cover? <laughs> <laughs> I can feed my Clippy wherever I want to. This is getting... So what else are you... I don't know. Are you chatting before you go to bed? Or what are you guys thinking about? There's sort of a lot going on. Darren's just kind of off in his own little world right now. Kira too. Isolated from the rest. Really, because I feel like Arin really doesn't want to think about the whole cosmic. I am a couple different people in one person thing, and so you're a chimeric twin. Congratulations. Maybe, maybe while they're uh, trying to have some alone time, Arin's kind of bouncing back and forth between them, irritating them until they send her (laughs) to the other one. Okay. So, yeah. And Dern, you're irritated. Why? I guess, why is Dern? Because I have a lot on my mind, and would you just go and rest? All I ask I don't is have if you rest. prefer the marshmallow part or the chocolate part. Go talk to the, the, mo- the Modron. 
I already talked to him. I'll go ask Kira. We'll talk more. (laughs) While you go over to Kira, Kalman goes over to Dern. Stares at him with his one big eye. (laughs) Just looks. (laughs) Dern just kind of rolls over and takes his hammer and kind of just clutches and tries to sleep. (laughs) Aw, like a little teddy bear. Attempts (laughs) to sleep. Not not, not, not quite. Pretty close. What are Tira and Aaron discussing? Kira sitting there thinking about whether or not her mother is evil or hey, what's Kira. going. <laughs> what? Uh, I was just wondering if your hair is naturally like that or if you do something to it. Because I haven't seen you do anything to it, but I think it looks pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> I just tie it back with a leather cord it, it so it stays you. out of my face. Thank you. Hush, little Clippy, don't say a word. Chris <laughs> Wizard's gonna ever. feed you with his blood. He's not mm-hmm. even rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, marshmallow or chocolate? What are those? Do Play with ha- me. <laughs> I wish Chocolate I always. My blunder bus because I just eat it right about now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Date Night. I'm Will. If you want more Date Night on top of the episodes that you get every two weeks, I wanted to let you know about our premium episodes that are available on Podbean or directly at datenightpodcast.com. If you go to our site and click the Behind the Screens tab, you can become a premium member and hear at least one extra episode every month. These episodes have alternate GMs, guest players, or the normal crew, but in situations outside the main campaign. It's only $2 a month or $20 for a yearly subscription, and it's a great way to support us and help us cover some of the costs of running the show. So again, click on the Behind the Screens tab over at datenightpodcast.com to learn more. Or if you're a Podbean listener, you can subscribe directly from our Podbean feed in the mobile app or on the desktop site. Now, let's get back to the show. Let's play D&D. Okay, so you, you, lay, down, <laughs> you lay down to sleep. Again, almost floating, really. And Dern and Kira, in particular, recalling their visions from way back in the campaign, almost still feeling them dance around you in the room the way that they were. And in fact, maybe at times they still are, depending on sort of how your mind is wandering. And as you drift off to sleep, you're reminded of Sator's words of his own vision that he detailed beneath the raven tree after you described your own, where he said, The signs are muddled. The ravens all have barbs and the thorns have talons. What begets life brings death. What should bring cleansing brings blight. And you think as you drift off to sleep, less comfortable as you recall the words of his vision, that you see one of the distant planets glow a little bit like jade an inch closer to alignment. And you get your long rest. Yay! Sleep very well that night. And it is morning. And when you awake, you're just laying on the floor in an empty white room with a large golden door. That wasn't there before. 
All right, what if we just don't leave? What if we just stay here? Interesting thought. I have some rations in my pack. Oh, so we're actually doing this? Can we wait it out? out? Can we wait it out? <laughs> you can wait around for a while if that's Dern what you want to do. Dern just gets up and starts heading out. Okay. <laughs> All right, Dern, listen. Let's just wait like 24 hours. Maybe they'll forget. No lot. It's time to face the music. Listen, uh, if I have 28 more you hours... You can stay study- if you want. I'm going. All right. Someone's a grumpy Gus. Did you sleep well last night, Dern? <laughs> Keeps going. <laughs> Would you like a sausage? Dern, Dern, hey Dern, Dern. I'm out the door by now. <laughs> Calman's following you. I'm following too oh, because fine. she's so loud. Fine, I'll go. You'd with rather them. face an actual court system <laughs> than listen to any. Yeah, yeah. Before the coffee, sure. <laughs> I guess I'll follow. Okay. So as you leave the, the room, there are two of Takashi's retainers who escort you to the outside of the courtyard of Elysium, where there are a number of turtle-born guards sort of waiting there, seemingly impatiently, one of whom says, all right, they're coming with us. And one of the Takashi's retainers say, none of my business. And kind of... There's a random cat? What was that? (laughs) A cat walks by, gets stepped on by one of the turtle-born guards. Um, and they escort you across the length of the God's Path from the courtyard of Elysium toward the tail end of the turtle where the Shell King's quarters stand next to the um, Carapace Inn that was flooded just a couple nights ago, I think it was. Last Mm. month. Simpler times. Yeah. And you enter a huge, shiny abalone hall with lustry inlays in the floors, walls, and ceilings, They create mosaics of sea creatures, which are all depicted as powerful, but they pale in comparison to the one of the dragon turtle uh, that sits in the middle of the floor of the room with the throne on its back. Is the room echoey? Yes, it's very, like it's usually under the water, so everything's very smooth in here. Guys, this place is so shiny, shiny, shiny. (laughs) And your voice echoes off the walls. As you see, there's another trial going on. (laughs) In the front of the room, and the huge... We're going to get held in contempt of court, don't worry about it. The huge, muscled uh, King Leo, who's also a little bit overweight, just stares daggers um, at you as you enter the room, and he says, you will be silent until it is your turn. Sure, no problem! Problem, problem. And he he does the, the salute of the two turtle fingers over the bridge of his turtle beak. Um, the NPC salute. And somebody My bes- bells are clanging. <laughs> <laughs> jingle, 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 jingle. <laughs> Calvin's kind of dancing to the jingle of the bells. <laughs> I've never been on trial before. He, he starts to say out loud in whispers. All right. Through. I have Calvin. Just listen. When we get put in jail, don't drop the soap. <laughs> Cut that joke. Cut that joke. <laughs> Okay. Hi, Amy. But what if it's slippery? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, somebody beside, beside the king... It's not really legal advice. Um, ...is sort of talking back and forth and, and reading uh, the charges. And you notice that it's the Slaver's Bay team 
that is on trial when you were brought in. So it's Scaly and <laughs> Lenny and, whispers. and Johnny you. <laughs> and the uh, Stinky Baba Ganoush. Guys, we're on trial, too. And Fido, the, mm. the dog who still has this grease all <laughs> in his fur. Aww. And he has the look of a creature that has recently been exploded and reassembled. That distant look that you can only get from that experience. <laughs> <laughs> and you hear the, uh, the king finally speak up and he says, You've been found guilty of endangering visitors to our city and the murder of a dragonborn man, Leels Draxt, who had been hired as temporary help. Your sentence is one year imprisonment in the lower brig, inside the carapace of our benevolent city, Albergula, and restitution in the amount of 15,000 turtle bucks each to be paid to the murder's family, and the proprietor of the carapace inn, our banquet coordinator, Michelangelo. (laughs) And then Lenny speaks up, and he's the one who was stinky in, in your battle, and he says, Sir, your turtleness... We understand our prank was more harmful than we intended, but ain't this city going to go back into the drink in no more than a few weeks? And the king nods solemnly. And the Fido, melancholy, the Knoll, yelps something in Knollish. And Johnny Knuckles, the the orc who had peed himself in your encounter, says... (laughs) That takes me back. (laughs) Uh, As my Knoll friend so eloquently... Put it, your majesty, we can't breathe underwater? And the king says, Neither could Lel's Draxt take them away. Ooh, mic drop. That was great. <laughs> and you hear Scaly, as they're being escorted out, say, Sir, it, it was... B- 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 p- 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 please don't let my... F- and the king says... Are you saying it was your idea, Lizardman? Fine. You're sentenced to five years. The rest of you, six months. Take a deep breath. And they start to protest, but the king motions to the guards who shackle them um, with these shackles that have this faint blue glowing orb that immediately silences them. You can see them trying to speak, but nothing is coming out of their mouth. Guys, are we going to die? And the king says, Yes. Now bring those so-called thunderhorns forward. The charges against... Sadly. Oh, the... Wait, if they bring us forward... No, never mind. Go ahead. So one of the guards kind of pushes you up toward the front, kind of saying, you know, get a move on, get back up to where the the Slaver's Bay guys were sitting. And the man standing next to the king, my microphone is just floppy, man. You just loosened it. No, I didn't. I turned it that way. Oh, (laughs) Is your microphone sometimes floppy? (laughs) Do not take if you're a pregnant nurse. Well... If you come pregnant, or use your floppy microphone to make something pregnant. <coughs> well, it's so floppy. Do you have one of these little nuts these next to the thing? No, I got no nuts oh, on my <laughs> floppy microphone. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. This is what tightens it down for me. I think it's got to spin all the way around to tighten, but it. 
I'll just hold the microphone. I got a tight five. Can I give you a tight five? How's everyone doing tonight? Uh, anybody here from Jacksonville? <laughs> All right. I'm just gonna. I got five minutes of cities. Anybody here from Toledo? <laughs> just gonna say some cities. All right, so after the bailiff does his tight five, he, he, de- <laughs> he delivers charges to you. I'm dead. You're welcome. <laughs> that says, Thunderhorns, you have been charged with theft and concealing of a dragon turtle egg. Corruption of a dragon turtle egg. We didn't do no, that that one. wasn't us. Silence. That's no. how we found mm. it. Silence, or you will be silenced. Yes. You will have your time to speak. Use of harmful and deceptive magic. Impersonating an... Oh, that charge has been dropped. Child abandonment. Possession without declaration at entry of a cursed item. Damaging a structure in a bar fight. And mismatching fish. How do you plead? How close are we to the front of the room? Like, what's the difference between us and the king? Probably... 25 feet. Okay. Uh, Aaron's kind of been fiddling in her pocket this whole time. I'm going to throw my compelling cornhole bag at him. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> at the king? Yes. <laughs> uh, fucking die. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting to use it. Okay. Um, make a dexterity check against uh, the king's uh, AC. So uh, basically a ranged attack, because you're throwing it at him. Uh, what modifier would I use for that? Athletics? Y- your cornhole? dex modifier plus your cornhole proficiency. Okay. Which is now plus... 19. Oh, God. All right. That hits. So all of a sudden... Oh, God. <laughs> Aaron stands up, and this cornhole bag goes flinging across the trial room... Past the bailiff who reaches out in slow motion, no, (laughs) (laughs) and smacks King Leo straight in his turtle face, and the two of you are instantly teleported to the uh, cornhole demiplane. What is it called (laughs) in the description? Uh, It's called the cornhole demiplane. Okay, so describe what what happens there, like. Uh, it's been a long time since I've looked at this magic item. Okay. Um, the corn. It, well, this is the cornhole bag deals one d four bludgeoning damage. Okay, oh but you can I roll that. If I threw, if I threw it lightly, does it have to take one d four bludgeoning damage? Yeah, or? if you hit. Okay. <laughs> three. Okay, so the king takes three damage. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so. The demi plane can only be accessed by initiating a duel. It consists of a flat bluegrass field 200 yards across. When you arrive, there are eight corn bags and two cornhole boards with coat of arms matching the sigils of your and your opponent's families. So I would assume it's his uh, royal crest yep. versus the Thunderhorn logo. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> can, are we all in like the crowd? Like, Can we all be? No, you're still in the courtroom. And it Is doesn't it like freeze time? Um, it doesn't. It doesn't say. I don't think I kept that. So I think like your turns pass the same way turns pass somewhere else. So like your first turn here, there'll be a turn of things happening back oh, in the oops uh, courtroom. So 
uh, we'll we'll reconcile what's happening with Arn at least at first. So the two of you go there, and a human referee by the name of Cooperman stands. He's by actually to the, the game. he's actually the captain from the uh, Albedula Games. Was Captain Cooperman, who's now teleported <laughs> into the middle of this event with the two of you. So you you recognize Cooperman, and he looks around at you. And the second the king sees Cooperman standing there. He, you can just see the anger rise up on his face, and he goes, I hate games. <laughs> I loathe games. Oh, it's just a little Bring cornhole. Bring me back. I, I can't. You have to play with me. I will not. Well, and then we're staying here forever, I guess. And we go back to the courtroom. <laughs> And we, what all you see is Aaron stand up, lob that bag, it smacks him in the face, and the two of them immediately teleport, along with Cooperman, who was actually sitting in the audience to see how this all played out. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just gone. And the guards look around. I go, and I the, stand the up king. and touch my crown of magic. And I say, <laughs> people of Albagula, it is I, the ex-god king of magic. So you're and no longer the you... king of magic? Ex-god king. I'm just the king now, right? God king is the better. Shut up, Kira. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I will banish any of you who steps forth within these 20 yards around me. So don't question me and don't get closer. I get down on my knees and put my hands on my head. <laughs> <laughs> or else the, the, the dwarf is going next. All right, roll an um, intimidation check, please. Is that what you... Yes. Um, that's a 15. That's a 3. So the bailiff... What? Uh, hold on. Be cool. No. Hold on for eight (laughs) turns of cornhole, or approximately that long. Will you bring the king back? Bring me your gold. No. Oh. Oh. Listen, guards. God. Prepare the shackles. Mm -hmm. No, do not prepare the shackles, guards. But hold, (laughs) hold. Kara's face is in her hands. And we go back to the demi-plane of Cornhole, where Cooperman is explaining to the king the rules of how you can leave the demi-plane only after this event has been completed. And the king is just basically in the position of somebody who's just been called to jury duty, (laughs) who feels like they have better (laughs) things to do. But he says, fine. Give me the damn cornhole bag. (laughs) (laughs) And let's cornhole. Woo! Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Tossing the bag onto the board, called a woody border, DC 12 is worth one point. Tossing the bag through the hole, called cornhole, is DC 16 and worth three points. So 12 for for a WB and 15? Or 16? 16. 16. 16 for a CH. Anyone who steps across the foul line is automatically hit with a barrage of corn <laughs> called Cooperman's Cone of Corn for 2d6 <laughs> bludgeoning damage. Fouls occur when rolling a one on a corn bag toss. Okay. Well. And so we each have four 
bags. Let's roll initiative to see who goes first. Okay. Uh, I, I'll keep my own score. I mean, I guess we can both keep score, but. All right. Go ahead and roll your initiative just to see who tosses first, I guess. Uh, 14. All right. You're, you're first. Okay. Um, so I, I think I just roll this and add my cornhole bonus and. Yep. Is my cornhole bonus my athletics plus proficiency or just proficiency? It's your dex plus okay. proficiency. Okay. All right. Seven. <laughs> All right. So that just misses the board. <laughs> Got to get a feel for it, you know? <laughs> you just hear the king. Lightly tosses the other one in the air. If you're going to play a game, just let me show you how it's done. And he, he picks up the cornhole bag. And he, he rolls, that's an eight. So <laughs> it falls about two feet next to the cornhole thing, just I like used yours. I a heavier bag. We played with metal-filled bags where I come from. Metal you mean shell-filled bags? It's your turn. Okay. Nat 20. All right. So that Does that count for two? Straight through the... Uh, Pops back up and goes corn- back in. <laughs> that's just, it doesn't even touch... The rim of the cornhole uh, board swish. So yeah, that. mm. So now we got this like Michael Jordan and Larry Bird in the 1994 (laughs) McDonald's commercial situation coming up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna try and match you. Uh, that's a 15. So he he throws one onto the board. Unless he has some kind of bonus. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's got a plus two on his on his dex bonus. So one point. He gets one. And you've both gone twice. You've got two more rounds. So, about that trial. Uh, <laughs> and Arn's just kind of lightly tossing her bag up and down as if she's kind of testing the weight. Coop, Cooperman. Um, okay, I think there's been some kind of misunderstanding. Cooperman. We're having fun here right now, right? Like, we're pretty cool people. <laughs> <laughs> Roll a, um, a persuasion check at disadvantage. Okay. I rolled an 11 and a 10. And my um, persuasion is... Uh, oh, I actually... it's My persuasion is really weird because my charisma is minus two, but I'm proficient in it, so it's plus so it's three. It's a flat roll. So you're plus oh, one. No, plus it's three. plus one. 11. Cooperman, does she have to throw the cornhole bag? And Cooperman says, she's got up to 30 seconds to aim. How many seconds has it been? He looks at his uh, his stopwatch. (laughs) (laughs) His fantasy stopwatch with a little tiny crab crawling across the dial. It's very cute. (laughs) You have 12 more seconds. All right. So all I'm saying is it's uh, that's a 16 plus bonuses. So that should land in. That's in. All I'm saying is, like, we're not bad people, and I understand we might have accidentally broken some rules, but we've really tried to be on our best behavior, and I think maybe you could let it slide just this one time. And he holds his cornhole bag for a minute now that it's his turn, and he says, you could have said that in the trial rather than attacking me. And sending me to a demi-plane of games. Oh, your majesty, that wasn't an attack. It was kind of <laughs> a friendly a invitation. It was a friendly invitation. <laughs> friendly invitation that you're compelled to come to this parallel realm. And After taking damage. Yeah. Um, 
so that's a five. So <laughs> as he's speaking, he's just mad, and he just throws the thing about 40 feet across this demiplane, nowhere near the board. Okay. And that's round three. Okay. Um, as I was saying, <laughs> I just, I'm just like so honored to be in your presence. And I just wanted to have a little heart to heart. I thought maybe if we could speak one on one, it might be a little more, uh, I, I don't want to say intimate. That doesn't sound right. But you know what I mean? I just, I feel like we could be friends. 19. <laughs> <laughs> what is that for you? You did cornhole again? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's 19 plus yes, four, yeah. so... Swish again. He says, It was a gambit, but it failed. Well... And he misses again. It <laughs> clings off the just side by of the, so much. Wait, wait, can we do it again? Board. I want to lose this time. And immediately, uh, he's going to take the, uh, the damage, and you're... So what, how does the damage work? I'm so glad I gave out this item. (laughs) This was actually a really funny time to use it. 3d8 psychic damage plus the number of points I won by. Which was so 3d8 plus 8. Go ahead and roll that damage. Oh, my dice are under my cornhole sheet. <laughs> as they as they are wont to be. Uh, which is the Two D8? pyramids on the top one. of one another. This one? Yep. yep. Okay. One. Thank God. Six. Damn it. <laughs> Four. Yeah. So 19 damage on top of that three that you hit him with. Does the ref have to administer the damage? originally before i rewrote it for the dungeon master's guild it was all corn damage from from cooperman's cone of corn so we can we can imagine it that way this is psychic damage yeah cooperman just walks over and screams at him until he takes 18 (laughs) he's crying a little when he gets back so um before they're they're teleported back there's this standoff wait can i like handshake with him (laughs) no you're you're far away you get teleported right after the game finishes. So you can sort of reach out. Okay. But he's Arin just clutching that. the side of his head as blood is starting to pour out of his nose <laughs> oh, from the no, psychic I... damage. I have returned your king. Now let us go. Okay. So the king teleports back to this point he left from sitting on the throne. His face so bloody. And Arin. Good game. Holds back. out her hand. There is no such thing, half-orc. And he sniffs and I see that face. little smile on your face. <laughs> he sits, he sits your down turtle face. in his throne and he says, Tie their hands. Oh, no. no. Sorry, guys. No. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> and turns holding his hands out. So now um, you're going to have to make a contest if you don't want the guards to act of intimidation with the king. So... Me and the king are both doing intimidation checks, and whoever's more... I like it. All right, all right. Oh. <laughs> oh. Their hands, guards. <laughs> That's a two. <laughs> and your crown of magic slides down over your face, suddenly not fitting quite right, and covers your eyes as you issue your command. And the guards come over and place you into shackles. All of us? Mm-hmm. 
and Calman. <laughs> I've never been... And his voice stops in the middle of when he was about to say, as the shackles click in onto his hands. He says, okay, we will try this again. As he sniffs and the, wipes more blood onto his <laughs> robes. You can't speak <clears throat> anymore. And he glares back at Cooperman, well, too. Well, they didn't and give us a lawyer. What did you expect? Cooperman just kind of <laughs> yes, <laughs> scratches the back of his not neck. having a lawyer tries completely not to make justifies you performing some sort of duel to the death with the it king. It wasn't supposed to be to the death. It was supposed to be a little friendly competition <laughs> so he could get to know that we're not that bad. And yeah. I'm thinking now maybe I should have lost. <laughs> um it's not my fault I'm so darn good at cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I add to being good at cornhole to the charges, King? No, if that's, that's a crime, sign me up. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not necessary. It's officially now a crime. That <laughs> won't be necessary. Let's just get on with it. All right. These charges then, one at a time. Um, you will answer, you will be allowed to answer as these crimes are, are put forward. First, child abandonment. How do you plead? Not guilty. Can we speak? Yeah, after he reads the charge. Not guilty. Wait, how do we abandon a child? I never abandoned the, my child. The turtle dragon baby. We didn't abandon it. I think that's the one. Is that the one? I mean, I used to be a god, so I'm sure I've abandoned plenty of children over my lifetime. You're not helping. And you're silenced again. (laughs) So, not guilty on the child abandonment is how they plead. How do you plead on the theft and concealment of a dragon turtle egg? Not Not guilty. guilty. We tried to save it instead. No, it wasn't theft. This is a one or two word answer. It wasn't theft, not guilty. Not guilty. Not theft. The dwarf pleads guilty, the others not guilty. Dern, what are you the, doing? And you're silenced. Damaging, <laughs> um, oh, sorry, um, corruption of a dragon turtle egg. Guilty or not guilty? Not, not guilty. guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. All right. Um, use of harmful or deceptive magic, a charge leveled only against the grease wizard, so-called. Wait, well, I wasn't listening. <laughs> the use of harmful or deceptive magic, a charge leveled against one named... Uh... Um, <laughs> right, which one? I mean, at what point? Like, when I turned myself into Since a fish? Since you've been in the city, have you performed any harmful or deceptive magic? Well, I turned myself into a fish when those um, thieves... Flooded, so that's the only deceptive magic, but like I was still me. I had just had gills. I don't really have gills anymore, and I pulled down my shirt. I believe that is a not guilty plea. All right. Um, finally, let's see. A, a charge of mismatching fish. This one levied only against one Modron. I fish match the Mitch. Calman has done nothing wrong in his life ever. A charge that carries with it a penalty of three copper pieces. All right. Um, Damaging a structure in a bar fight, a a charge levied against a half-orc Auron. Not guilty. Okay. 
and possession without declaration of at entry a cursed item a charge leveled against the dwarf Dern Hammerstone. What is the item in question? A thunderhorn. Guilty. Okay. Whoa. Right. That was so cursed. We shall proceed then with these charges one at a time. The charge Next of on Judge Judy. First, <laughs> the charge of possession of without declaration of an entry, a cursed item for one Dern Hammerstone, a charge which carries upon it a sentence of three weeks in the brig. You have pleaded guilty. That one is settled. You will spend three weeks in the brig. The theft and concealment of a dragon turtle egg, one which the dwarf has pleaded guilty to as well, a charge which carries with it the penalty of three years in the brig. You will spend three years in the brig, Dern Hammerstone. You others, we must still determine the nature of your crimes. Oh, a mismatching fish, uh, a penalty which is, again, three copper pieces to be paid by one Modron. And Calman. <laughs> oh, cop. What's it? Oh. Oh, okay. Um, so, next he says, All of you were charged with the theft and concealment of a dragon turtle egg. I believe this is one we may, should start with. Or perhaps even before that, how about... The corruption of a dragon turtle egg, for which all of you pleaded not guilty. You may speak your case. The egg was corrupted by some cultists when we found it. Our aim was to try and actually purify the the poor thing. And protect it from the cultists. And raise it as our own. No. (laughs) We were trying to find a good place for it. I, I wasn't aware of that. But all right, Which I'm not sure of what the abandonment charge entails, but we did attempt to hand the egg over to the proper authorities. And he uh, looks around the room and he says, "Yes, there was a hatched, corrupted dragon turtle handed over to our cleric, and he points at someone in the room." Not 24 hours ago. A corrupted, I remind you, dragon turtle. A dragon turtle that we had information was corrupted by you and your party. Who told you that? told you that was lying? Well, this individual who told us this to receive the reward associated with finding the stolen dragon turtle had given us information that it was being held by one of the groups of competitors who he described in great detail, a fact that became apparent during your competition when your... I should have killed him with my spear. Hmm? I should have finished him off with my spear. It was Kip, wasn't it? It was Kip. Kip. No, there was no... It was one, let's see, who who was paid that award? Right, listen, was he and really he checks, annoying? And he checks the clerk, uh, starts checking the records, and the clerk said, uh... His name was Plucky Seed Sower. Okay, it was Kip. Right. Really annoying bloke. He, uh... Did he look like a halfling in disguise? Really easy to make fun of. The halfling is not on trial here. He gave us information that proved to be accurate that you were hiding a dragon turtle. 
which we noticed during the competition when it was damaged during your fight and split open. It was hatching already. Which I believe we could use to at least disregard the child abandonment charge because you never had a child. You smuggled in this turtle with who knows what intentions, this cursed turtle. And then when to it was, take care of it. Then when it was opened among the ring... Only then did you decide to turn it over when you didn't have anything else to do with it. All of those charges are fair except for the charge of corruption. We did not initiate that. Well, then speak for yourself. Who was the corruption initiated by? The cultists, I forgot. I got some of their robes here. No, I don't. I sold them. Never mind. (laughs) His name was Tashi. I got his. Oh, no, I do have his. Um, I have his. Um, mm, life siphon here. You, sh- you will not be removing anything from your pack. All right, fine. If you would like something removed from your pack, we may do so. No, it's fine. Whatever. He died in the Painted Valley. Also convenient. Do you have any other evidence that shows that this creature that you had possession of was not corrupted by you. Any concrete evidence, any witnesses. You Uh, paid him. I mean, yeah, the guy who turned us in was there. He was. Oh, uh, ask, ask what's his name? The orb guy. Play back the orbs. (laughs) We have no orb data on record. We do have record from your Squiddles unit. That we can refer to. This record does show that you had the dragon turtle egg in your hotel room. So on the charge of theft and concealing of a dragon egg, I will ask you again. How do you plead? Not guilty. Guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty of theft, but we did conceal it trying to keep it safe. All right. I'll go with that. Yeah. That seems fair. All right. Then. And the charge of concealment of the dragon turtle egg, you will receive four weeks in the brig. Next, on the use of harmful and deceptive magic, we have record from your Squiddles unit that you have been performing harmful magic upon yourself, Grease Wizard. Me? There's no victim. He is the victim. Right. There He's is allowed to do whatever he wants to with his Yeah, I could do whatever I want to with myself. Not within these city Not walls where the rules are clear that there will be no harmful nor deceptive king of magic. Magic. Ex-god king of magic. Yes. And you have used deceptive magic as well. We have record in the um, market on one merchant by the name of Kevin. How do you plead now on these crimes? Well, Kevin's a dick, right? <laughs> there is no penalty for no, 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 dickishness. No. All right, listen, just call him a dick and, and I'll Kevin say is not on trial. Kevin is a dick. All right, not guilty. Gotcha. <laughs> Sucker. That's deceptive magic. That's not it. That's just my deceptive tongue, right? <laughs> just kidding. Um, r- r- play that back. I didn't think that's what I actually said. Okay. Um, so, um, stenographer, right. can you... <laughs> so, the... Bailiff says, King, would you like to examine the data from Squiddles? Yes, I would love to. Thank you. No, not you. The king. <laughs> yes, I'd love to. Silence. <laughs> and the king says, 
Yes. You get a pair of these just Fine. for, you know, day to day. You can let him speak. So uh, he lets the king examine the data from Squiddles. Basically, Squiddles floats over top of the king and rests his water bubble on top of the king's head until it absorbs the top of his skull. And you see the king's eyes kind of roll back in his head as he's witnessing the events on the Squiddles. Is that our Squiddles? And he, yes, it our was Squiddle your Squiddles. Our Squiddle is a snitch? Squiddles is a snitch. Yep. I told you not to let it in your head. So well, then the so king cute. says, <clears throat> on harmful magic, guilty. On deceptive magic, Kevin is a dick. Four weeks in the brig for the use of harmful magic, added on to the four weeks from the previous crime. Okay. And we have dismissed the charge of child abandonment. Hmm. Damaging a structure in a bar fight. Aaron, you are accused of damaging the floor of the crusty crab by crashing a rather large turtle-born individual into it rather roughly. How do you plead? Not guilty. Okay. Shall, would you like to examine the data from the squiddles upon this one, sir? Or, or does no, Aaron I'd have just like to point out, to if it, it, in that case, it would be the turtle-born who damaged the bar floor. She's okay. got to that. <laughs> Let's bring in that Let's witness. See if, if that is true. And he does sort of the same thing and watches the uh, playback from Squiddles. And he says, hmm, indeed, it perhaps was your opponent who damaged the floor. You did have a bar fight. We have no law against combat. I rest my case. (laughs) Not guilty on the charge of damaging a structure in a bar fight. But bring me that turtle. Yes, sir, the bailiff Uh says. Um, what happened? He's another getting... one of the ninja turtles. So <laughs> he's not the get main in charge then, sir. Corruption of a dragon turtle egg. Is there any other evidence that we could? Pr- and as he he says that, there's a quake like rumble that rattles the chambers around you, which is followed only almost immediately by the sound of thunder. That doesn't sound too much different than the thunder horn. And the bailiff reading your uh, sentencing here stutters, or I guess he's still he's reading one of your charges, stutters as the others present gasp. And, and he continues, and he says, On the corruption of a dragon turtle egg, what other further can you add about this cult that you claim... That you so conveniently sold all evidence of. Um, it had a yellow, uh, the blood, uh, had bloody yellow talon robes. There, if you go check, uh, we did a whole episode about, um, going to find these robes and stuff. And all the, like, I don't know, political side of it. And, like, we went to, like, the DMV or something. I don't bloody remember. But you can go find all the evidence that this cult was real and they were doing some shady things. Okay, um... Go ahead and how convoluted that was. Roll a persuasion check at disadvantage. Nah, that's a, that's a crit fail, right? <laughs> Not one. Silence. <laughs> On this charge, King, would you require any additional information, or have you reached your verdict? I shake my head no. Any last words, he says. I think we're innocent until proven guilty, and you haven't proven that we're guilty. 
That is also Checkmate. not how this works. You Checkmate. are guilty until we say otherwise. King, hmm? what do you... <laughs> <laughs> no, the king. You've been silenced. <laughs> he, he tries not to make eye contact with the grease wizard. I'm only making eye contact with him. The king says, the other charges are sufficient. If we cannot prove this one, we cannot prove this one, as much as I believe it to be the case. Four or more weeks in the brig. Four or more weeks in the brig should settle things, being as we go back to the ocean in two days. Hmm. And. Um, the bailiff starts reading and he says, your sentences are as follows. Dern Hammerstone, you have been sentenced with the th- concealment and theft of a dragon turtle egg, the possession without declaration at entry of a cursed item. You have been sentenced to... And the rumble comes back. Uh, back up into the room and now the whole turtle city seems to rock and lilt as if Albedula itself is attempting to rapidly turn itself 90 degrees to face northward a priest wearing a white turtle skull helmet from a huge sea turtle over the top of its head bursts through the door to the hall and a huge slam echoes from the door crashing open from her dramatic entrance. And the king says, What is the meaning of this? And the priest says, Albagula calls for her champions to protect her in her time of need, my liege. Hi, I'm Mike. I play Dern Hammerstone on the Date Night Podcast. And first of all, I wanted to say thank you so much for listening to our show. And I want to encourage you guys to keep listening if you enjoy our content. Also, if you enjoy our content, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, also share it with your friends who are interested in this kind of a campaign. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Date Night Podcast. That's D-8-N-I-G-H-T Podcast. Podcast. 